Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Well, welcome everyone to the second episode of the Two Sharp Reds, where myself, Ollie Geel, and Australia's third favourite son, but also fourth favourite silver fox, Mark Schwarzer, will delve into a bottle of the Burgundy Grape. We are here underground in the middle of London at Gordon's Wine Bar, which rumour has it, Mark, is actually the oldest wine bar in London, so it's very fitting that we should be here as you just open and pour a bottle of Gordon's Wines. I'll get you to pronounce. Uh, the actual um, vintage and bottle you've got there because you're a little bit more sophisticated than I am. Am I? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Chateau Ganavelle. Sure, why not? Well, let's delve into it. Well, thank you, Gordon Wines, for having us. I'm looking forward to doing it. Should we just start by, by having a cheers and why not? delving straight in? Why not? Oh, initial thoughts? Silky. Silky, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty silky, yeah. It's smooth, silky, like fresh linen sheets. Quite fruity, yeah, yeah. What sort of fruit are you getting? <laughs> That's too complicated, mate. <laughs> I realised that we, we didn't even sniff it. We've just gone no. straight in for it again. Yeah, it's oh, a nice drop, though. That's very nice. So, a reminder to uh, to anyone that hasn't listened to the show or is new to the show. Uh, essentially, what we're trying to do here on the Two Sharp Reds, Mark, is um, experience beautiful wines across across the globe, uh, sharing our love of, of not only wine itself, but um, the Premier League and our, our second love of football. Uh, and our aim at the end of every episode is to compare the bottle of wine to a player. So who did you have last week? I had Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, as the uh, underground train goes past. Um, yeah, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, strong, bold, in-your-face yeah, smacks you in the face. Yeah. Um, demanding. So that's that's what that was. And, and I've gone for Mustafi. So we're, we're experiencing, <laughs> yeah. uh, very much experiencing completely different wines. But that's the beauty of red wine, isn't it? It is. Yeah, no, obviously, the way it tastes, the way it hits you, the palate, um, and it's very, very different. And this one, again, I, I'm, there's no doubt to me that we'll come up with completely different yeah. uh, players in the end. Let's talk about Man City. One thing in particular caught me, and it's not the you know extremely dominant performances we see in Europe, but I don't know if you saw Guardiola getting incredibly annoyed at John Stones for not getting ready in time. I don't, couldn't tell what was going on, but it was like, it was like I equated it to if you're um, you know, batting at fifth and you should really have your shin pads on by the time you know, the, the first wicket falls, but then you, you're, you're scrambling around to find your helmet, your pads, your, your, your box, and then you don't have it. The latter stages of my career, I sat on the bench. Oh, at the beginning of my career and the latter stages. And, the, and what used to absolutely annoy the hell out of me as well yeah. was w- looking at my teammates and knowing that, you know what, there's three subs. As a goalkeeper, you knew you're pretty much not going to come on unless something dramatic happened. However, I was ready. So when, shin- you, when you say you're ready, what do you, well, obviously you've got... I've got everything on. 
So I've got my shin pads in, they're taped, everything's on. I've just got tracky bottoms over the top of it. Yep. If it's early in the season, you're not wearing tracky bottoms, I'm ready to go. So all I have to do... Gloves on? No, the only thing, obviously, you're not having your gloves on because you've got to take your jacket off and you've got sure. to take your trousers off or, or tracky bottoms off. So I'm ready to go. The minute I'm asked to go, I go out and warm up and I'm bang, I'm out there. And uh, I remember we are in Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Champions League semi-final. Petr Cech gets injured after about 15, 16 minutes. And initially I thought, ah, Petr goes down quite a lot. Sure. And I thought, ah, he often gets treatment, wastes a bit of time, bit of a tactical thing. And I I didn't think much of it. And then all of a sudden you start to see some faces from players looking towards the bench, calling over and everything else. And the manager turns to me and he's got this real kind of a panic look on his face. He's saying to me, get ready, get ready. I'm like, I'm ready, boss. And all I had to do was take my tracky bottoms off and my top off, and I was ready. Like magic and, Mike. And put your gloves on. Yeah. And that was it. And um, I, I, the, that many times I've seen players, Didier Drogba used to do it if he was on the bench. He wouldn't have his boots even on. Mm. Um, all right, these days, though, because there's no laces, I suppose. No, 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 he had laces, and he had to put right. his shin pads in, and then he had to put his shirt on, and then sometimes he'd forget his shirt. I've seen it too where players have forgotten their shirt, so the kit man is running back into the change room. The manager's going ballistic. And I, I would, I would as well. I, I'm okay. sitting there. I'm actually nervous. I'm, yeah. I'm sitting on the sideline, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's not ready. I can't believe." Nice little time wasting tactic, though, wouldn't you thought? No, uh, yeah, but, but the referee gets to a point where the referee goes, "Well, he's not ready. Let's play on." Yeah. So then you're playing with one one player less. Yeah. And that can be a disaster. We saw what happened at Chelsea when they were worried about getting losing a player when yeah. uh, within a Hazard and the doctor ran on and everything else. Yeah. What can happen? So. Imagine, right, as a player, not, coming, not being ready to come on when the manager needs you to come on, and particularly in the second half of the game. Uh, first half, I kind of understand it a little bit, yep. but still, you've got to be ready. If you were Petr Cech, would you um, have your helmet on ready to go? Or is no, that no, guy one step too no, far? No, no, I wouldn't. No, no, it's easy. You know, just, that, just, that's an easy put Here's on. Here's a weird on. one for you. This is a really weird one, and I'm massively digressing here. Do professional footballers still wear mouth guards like you do when you're 10 years old? no. Uh, not not normally, but some players actually have worn them and do wear them. And, and in, in Italy, there's this theory, there's this medical theory that by wearing them, it helps with your balance and it prevents injuries and so forth. I know a few players sure. who you would go back to Italy. Um, Gianluca Festa did it a few times. He had a couple of injuries, hamstring injuries, groin injuries. And it got to the point where it reoccurred a couple of times. So he went back to Italy and had these mouth guards fitted. Don't do they do it the same way as you do when you're a kid? So you pop, pop it in the boiling water and then you... Mate, I got no clue because I was just like... People, it was a bit too far for me. People mould it for you sort I, of stuff. I just thought it was a bit weird. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a weird conversation to yeah. have, to be honest. Yeah. Hey, just on... We talked about Man City. Um, any particular English clubs in Europe, they've been very successful. Uh, one thing that caught my eye in the Europa League, though, was, of course, Mesut Ozil not in the squad again. But it was very interesting. He posted a picture of him laughing, saying... Gee, you make me laugh. Clearly directed at Unai Emery. That you, I mean, I don't want to, how do I say this without annoying you too much more? Um, you were most successful in a different era when social media yep. wasn't around. Is yep. that fair enough to say? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. but if you were. It was coming into play towards the end of my career. So if you were, say, 27, 28 now, in the peak of your career, and you had. X amount of followers at the you know, you know at the end of your fingertip, like ten, like ten, yeah, to, yeah and me, 11. yeah, eleven, you know. But I, I don't know if I'd accept you. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, well, that's you, true enough. I've seen your Instagram page. You're weird. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but with you know, how much power do these players have to to control? You know, I mean, you see it more in American sports. They generally post a lot more. And yeah. and to be fair, he didn't say 
Unai Emery, Jeezy, make me laugh, but it's pretty clear that that's who he's talking about there. You know, how, how do you feel about that? And would you be making your feelings known about your selection on social media? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy about it. Uh, I wouldn't be doing it on social media. It's a different mentality. It's hard because you, you, you know, these guys are growing up in this in this time when social media is such a powerful tool, and they want to get their messages across. I mean, I don't know. Mesut Özil has been quiet for so long. The amount of criticism he's received from all angles has been huge, and I, I suppose anyone would get to a point where. They've had enough. Yeah. And they finally will let something slip or they'll do something because they're at a point where, right, I've just, every time there's a bad result or there's a bad performance, he gets, he gets a, a sort of an element of the, the, the disappointment, the anger directed towards him. And that comes with a price tag. That comes with the wage that he's on. Um, and uh, he's like, how can, he, how can he actually influence anything when he's not even on the, on the pitch? He's not even involved. Mm. One would say, well, actually, the problem is the reason he's not involved, according to the manager, is he's not doing enough. He's not working hard enough. So there's a, there's a, there's a double-edged sword there. Um, as a player, as a teammate um, in the club, uh, I'd, be, I'd be just shaking my head. I'd be probably saying something, going like, now what, why, are you, why are you putting that on social media? Yeah. Just go and speak to the manager. Yeah. Um, maybe he has. Maybe he's got to the point where that's the last last uh, yeah. chance uh, saloon for him. The only option for him to get his voice across. Did you have MySpace? No. That was was that that was even post. Yeah, or? but it's like I, I I wasn't. I mean, I did a little bit of social media, a um, bit of uh, Twitter towards the end of my career. I like sort of like when I was still playing at Fulham for a little bit, about six months. I was quite into it, and then I I, I stopped because mm. I, I just. It became, for me, it just became too, too much involvement, too mm. overpowering, too worrying. I didn't even want to pick my phone up anymore. Uh, so I, I, I kind of went away from it. And I thought, you know what? Maybe one day if I'm finished playing, I might get back on it. But at the moment, I'm just going to concentrate on playing football. And don't let people have a direct access into your house. I tell you what. Into it, wherever you are, your private zone. It's the one good thing about not being a professional footballer that I go, if I was incredibly famous and well-known and loved across the world, I, I would be so embarrassed if people could see what I've been posting, just you know, <laughs> you know pre-football, I'm, I'm so sure most people feel that. There's a that. hint to you. Make sure you get onto Ollie Gill's yeah. Instagram <laughs> and Twitter account, and, deep and dive. you will get to see some embarrassing. You get to see me dancing as Justin Bieber at uh, the Year Eleven in Stedford. So that's if you go on to Christian Vieri's where, uh, Instagram thing, that's all he does. Yeah, all he does is do silly things, dance. Um, walk in front of a group of Italian men, do a pose, strut down like he's running down the, going, going down the runway uh, in a fashion shoot and then turns around and runs off again. It's bizarre. Hey, it's the time we've all been waiting for. It is the halftime drinks. So we'll take another sip of this Chateau Canavelle. I think I said that correctly. As we've touched on, quite fruity, quite silky, quite smooth, not overbearing. And of course, towards the end of this episode, we will compare this wine to a player. Yep. Have you got any thoughts? I, I have. Um, I've, I've got one or two in mind um, and because uh, it is smooth it's, it's, it's pretty constant the way through it yeah. doesn't really change it hits the back of the there's palate. no real surprises no there's no real surprises um, it's got consistency and I like that mm. These are, it's funny because this is the first wine we've ever tasted well I think we're totally in agreement yeah I yeah. couldn't agree more with that uh, and if you come up with Granite Jacker at the end, <laughs> mate, that's it. This, <laughs> yeah. this, this, yeah. this podcast is finished. <laughs> mate, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, how's this rate in terms of, I mean, this is 2015 vintage. This is obviously an, an incredible bottle. Is this the sort of thing you'd go for, you know, you know for, for uh, dinner? Or, uh, yeah, well, I would. You know, uh, 
But not here in England. I'd, I'd have it in France because yeah. it's Bordeaux. You know, that, that's the thing. Jeez, you're wanky. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. I, know. I, I would. I'd have it in, I'd have it in France. I, listen, it's not to say that I completely wouldn't have a French wine here in England. I would every now and then. But generally, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably stick to having it in, 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 in France. Well, fair enough. Each to their own, I, I suppose. Because we travel that much. Yeah, because yeah, you're France. such a big dog. We'll get back to it eventually because you know how much I, I love taking a, a, a quick drinks break. Like, I like to pretend this podcast is the equivalent of playing, you know, in Qatar in the World Cup. Yep. And we desperately need a 25-minute drink break. Yeah, it looks like you want a food break as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Jeez, that's awkward, having a quick dig at me. Uh, now, let's move on before I feel very uncomfortable. Um, Marco Silva. Yes. Uh, and Everton. Uh, Everton was always going to be an interesting one going into the season. They, they spent a fair bit, or, or more so, they brought a lot in, really. Uh, I get the sense he's not bought the right, right players. It's, would you say it's, he is the metaphor at Everton of, you know, your wife giving you a big list of things you need to get from Ikea. You turn up and you completely get it wrong and you come back with nothing but a, you know, a fold-out sort of you know, couch and, and a, a hot dog. Yeah, he's almost like yeah, he's been given this, this list and he's been given a whole lot of money, a wad of cash, and he's been blinded by the lights. All of a sudden, he walks into the shop and all these specials get thrown yeah, out. Yeah, and yeah. He, just, he also gets distracted Newsletters, by it. It's almost like he had a plan, had a, had a tactic, walked in there, and just completely lost it. Hence Ikea, because he, he's gone in there yeah. think he's going to nip in and out, but you, we all know what you yeah. know happens in there. It's absolute chaos. Yeah, there's you only f- one way in and out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's what it seems like, because you watch Everton, and it's really difficult to understand what style they play, what, what, are, what are his influences on the side, and, um, yeah. What, what's he got cons- right? I'm not sure. I'm not saying he must be a liked guy. He must be liked as a person within that group because otherwise they wouldn't have put a performance in like that. You know, you, you talk about Manchester United under Jose Mourinho towards the end. You talk yeah. about Chelsea with Jose Mourinho. Um, you know, you talk about uh, uh, various managers, whether it's, again, with, with uh, over the course of time, players down tools at times. And you, you can see there's no fight. There's lacking fight. And they kind of don't go that extra yard if they don't particularly think that the manager's got their back or they're supporting them as much as they should be. So he's a friendly shopper. So he's walked into Ikea. He's, 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 a, likeable, he's, gone, he's a likeable shopper. Hello, good sir. I need to buy myself a winger. Yes. And he's gone, no worries, come to this section. He's taken him to the pottery section. And, and you know, there's all smiles and handshakes. But then when he's in that section, that's when it all has gone terribly, terribly wrong. It, it has. And, uh, you know, I was actually really surprised. I was, I was excited about the signing of Keane from Juventus mm. but he's not played him consistently as yet um, you know he, he's stuck with Calvin Lewin and, and, and I think uh, he's done okay but again that, that co- kind of goes back to the fact that he knows what he's going to get from him Yeah, and he's going to get that work his backside off he's going to give him everything and I think that's probably what he wants to begin with to try and find some sort of consistency but they haven't done it so this far into the season Marco Silva is now probably finding himself around the cutlery aisle, I would have thought, of Ikea. So you're, you're not quite halfway through, but you're around that, still in the early stages, but, but you're still well within Ikea at this stage. I, I, I think he's at the serviettes already. Really? Yeah, because he's at the point where he's only going to get the good ones and keep it, and it's going to be a longer term, because you, you'll use them, wash them, and continue to use them, or he's going to sure. go for the disposables, and literally he could be out with them 
Manafort Schwarzer. I like it. I think that's how it could be. So where, how does he end up? So where he is right now, so we've agreed that he's just past the kitchen section of Ikea. Yeah. How does he get out the other side to get to that magic $1 hot dog? Um, I think it comes down to um, picking, picking the right uh, main course. So at the moment, he's, he's, he's leaning towards getting the, uh, the reusable serviettes. <laughs> I like it. And Marco Silva, this is a personal shout-out to you from both myself and Mark. Um, we wish you all the best in your endeavours to get to that $1 hot dog at the end of the season. It'd be nice. Bit of mustard <laughs> as well, maybe, on the end. Oh, if why you- not? Treat yourself. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you get a little bit further up. Hey, unlike this wine, the Premier League, uh, it's gone too far. Do you see what I did there? No, what? Gone too far. Gone too V-A-R. Far. Ah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. A bit bit, slow. A bit slow. A bit too much chateau. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Premier League, it's gone too far. We saw... It's just... I mean, it's probably been the first weekend uh, all season that it's really influenced itself across the board, across a few games. But the one thing that caught my eye in particular was... In the Tottenham game. Now, I have reoccurring dreams of this sort of thing, and I don't know why, because I've never been a graphic designer or in a graphics department whatsoever, but particularly when I worked for the Hobart Hurricanes in the Big Bash yep. uh, as a name, ground announcer. Name-dropping again. Name-dropping again. Well, you dropped you know, my house in France or wherever it is. You know, I'm I could drop the Hobart Hurricanes. I've got a house in France. What are you on about? Well, th- what is it, Spain? Yeah, you yeah. say that. You did. <laughs> well, still, you know, it's not the coolest thing, name-dropping the Hobart Hurricanes, but still... When you're a ground announcer there, you get to sit in the announcing booth and you see the, the, the graphics team and, you know, the, out, six, four, whatever. And the panic it gives me in my mind watching them do it, that they are going to get it wrong. Yep. They never do. But the panic and just you feel that, like, you know, that awful feeling where you know you've done something wrong. But, or you've but, but that's why you're not doing that. That's why you're doing the stadium announcing sure. and you're not actually doing uh, the well, it's, Because possibly you're I'm not, not very really... Good. Designed to do that? What does that say that I'm not physically and mentally prepped to be able to press a button at the right time? No, no, no. But even just make that call under pressure. That's sure. the difference. See? Yeah. Let's, let's we go back to about people. Everyone could be a footballer. It's sure. so easy to be a footballer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it were, then everyone would be one. That's true. And it's about dealing with the pressure. Not only delivering on a football pitch and having the ability and the talent, but then taking it to another level and actually being able to deliver when millions of people are watching it. Not only the tens of thousands it's in the stadium. It's so depressing we're having this conversation about me pressing a button, though. I know, but it's true. It's true, it's yeah, true it's, isn't it? It's, it? It relates. But what I was going to say was, before you dash my dreams and hopes, um, was that watching them do that, I, I always panic in my mind, my, mate, don't get it wrong, don't get it wrong. In the Tottenham game, they got it wrong. So hang on, this just reminds me, this is like you going to watch Arsenal play every so? week. What? Don't get it wrong, don't, don't get it wrong, <laughs> wrong selection. Oh no, we're going to lose it. Oh, oh uh, the ball's coming out our end. Mustafi's playing. Oh dear. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a, a Pinot Noir. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's funny, again, this happened in the last episode. You hit me with an Arsenal, I mean, it's a real beauty of a call you've made. And I, I carry myself like I've got a great comeback. Mate, I've got nothing. 
But I've got nothing in the arsenal, yeah, so to speak. Know, it, it, it's true, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is true. Yeah, so you are actually having those emotions, those, that no. roller coaster of emotions whenever you watch Arsenal play. Can we move on to my point there? So back to my question last week. So you still believe that Arsenal are better now than they were under Arsene Wenger? Well, not after the Sheffield game. That was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? And European game. I mean, okay, they won, uh, they won in the end. In after the a bit end, of salt and pepper. In the end. And Mesut Ozil almost had the last laugh. Yeah, well, very true. Very <laughs> true. I like that. But now what I was going to say is they got it wrong at the Tottenham game. And it was very difficult. I wasn't there, but I was watching on TV. Yeah. And it was very confusing for everyone. Deli Alley's goal, was it, wasn't it, was it, wasn't it? And then the VAR screen showed no goal. Yes. And just... All hell broke loose. What I thought was great was that the referee gets the call and it's a goal, signals that it's a goal, and in the stadium it shows it's no goal. The referee has a double, double take. He's yeah. like, oh, let me find out again. So he phones home again and finds out that, that actually it, the goal stands and they got it wrong on the screen. Listen, it's, it's technology. You yeah. know, whenever technology is involved, things can go wrong. Ultimately, they got the right decision. And you know, there, there are people who hate VAR and there are people who are supporter. I'm a supporter. I so it's, not too, it's not gone too far. No, there were moments where, you know, there was controversy. It, it, it didn't function as well as it should have. There's been decisions throughout the course of the season so far. At, even at that game where um, Delafeu was fouled in the box by Fatongan, they went to VAR and they still didn't give it. Mm. And and I think a lot of that's to do with the actual um, interpretation of it. What is the understanding? What's the relationship between the referee on the football pitch and the referee in the VAR office? and how they work as a team and have an understanding. And it all comes down to the referee on the pitch, how he sees it, and how he describes what he's seen to the VAR referee. So how does it need to change to improve? Does it need to be like a game of who wants to be a millionaire, where you get like a phone, uh, a, friend. Know, phone a friend, yeah. ask the crowd. Ask the audience, yeah, ask yeah. the audience, yeah. And then you can't ask the audience. No, no, no. no, no. no, no. There's biased as anything. Very true. There's no chance. How do, you, how do you do it? How do you possibly do it? Because uh, mate, listen, across just, all other sports, it works. Yeah, but they've just got to fine-tune what they're doing. You mm. know, they've got to fine-tune it, they've got to improve it. It's still so new. Even though they've been practicing for two years, and now it's open in the open. Now they're under the scrutiny of the world's press um, and, and the fans. And, you know, people are always going to moan. People hate change. People want, you know, you, you talk about it in the past. People complain about, we lost that game, we got ripped off, we got, you know, we, we got relegated because of those results. Now that we've got a bit of consistency, I say consistency, and at times it hasn't been as consistent as you'd like it to be, yep. I still believe that VAR has enabled the game's decisions to be far more consistent than what it has been in the past. Mm. Human error is not eliminated, but it's reduced. Can we get you in the box? I'd love to see I've that. I've been in it. Have you? I've been in it, yeah. I, I went there and I went through the whole... I bet whole, it looks like NASA. Is it like a It's quite real, a big room, actually. It's quite yeah. a big room. And everyone's in the same room. So every game... So, so there's five games on that weekend all at the same time. All the referees are there with their headphones on in front of three or four screens and they've got a, a little assistant or two assistants mm-hmm. who are going through all the th- different uh, angles and giving them all the different opportunities to view it um, you, after the call's been made. Do you feel like you've got the nerve to be able to do it? Uh, you know what? You'd need practice, but I think I could do it, yes. But you need practice, definitely. Jeez, you can't just out. walk in there and do it. No way. Right. You've got to... These guys have been doing it for, for a number, like I said, a number of years now. And they are referees who have been refereeing for a number of years. So that's the key. It's, it's definitely difficult. But we were in that room and we, did, we went through the whole process of how, how the decisions are made. And amongst the press, the world's press, or the, 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 the mostly British press that were there, we were divided yeah. in decisions. Because there's still an element of interpretation. And yeah. that will never go. 
Um, and uh, what they're trying to do is, and they've already, they've opened, they've, they've held their hands up and said, we will not eliminate error. Mm. We will reduce the numbers of errors. And there's an element still of interpretation. Mm. And then what they're doing is they're, they're fine-tuning the interpretation. So they're, uh, they're, they're cre creating a, f a framework that allows the referees to, to, to work within to create their interpretation of events. I think we need hotspot, like in the cricket. I think we need hotspots, and we need to somehow weave in technology into the shirts and the undershirts of all players so you can get hotspot proof as to when and where the ball was touched. Right. Uh, I think we could learn a lot from cricket, to be honest. I, I said it, a snicko. I said it right at the beginning that why are we trying to develop our own technology? Why are we not using yeah. other technology that's existing? I, I find that astounding. But I'm, I'm actually I'm happy and pleasantly surprised at how well VAR has done at this stage. Mm. I know people will jump on the bandwagon and, and go, that's rubbish. And it's, I, I, I believe that they've done an incredible job so far. Yes, they've, got, they've made mistakes, no doubt. And there are going to be more mistakes. And throughout the course of time, we watch rugby league, you watch rugby, you watch cricket. There are mistakes that happen still now, mm. just few and far between. Hey, before I forget uh, about Tottenham in particular, I don't know if you heard that story about Son Hong Min, who's probably fast becoming the world's most likeable footballer across the board, again, coming from, from an Arsenal fan. Uh, but apparently he has learnt English, not, not exclusively no, German. From, German. from German. When he first went over to Germany, he learned to speak German, or helped. what helped him to learn to speak German was listening to the song from Spongebob. What song was that? Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Sure. To learn German. <laughs> I tell you what, in my life, I never thought I'd hear you just you mutter the words a foot away from me, SquarePants. SquarePants. I never thought I'd hear you say that. But hey, you've got to do it. You know, we learned Jurgen Klopp watches Friends to learn English. You, yes. How that's did right. you learn German? Other I, than well, I, I, was brought, I was brought into a family with it, so my parents spoke it at home. So right. I, that was my first language that I learned. My parents right. were speaking German at home. So how are you learning English now? I, I'm still I'm going to classes. Yeah, yeah, two three days a week. Nice. Yeah, I actually think you need to go. <laughs> well, I speak. I, I still I, speak Tasmanian. I don't understand a word you say. Yeah, but you've lost a little bit of your. You massively lost your twang. Well, I've been here for twenty three years. Twenty four years. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Wait, mate. I tell you what, it won't be long. You'll yeah. lose yours as well. Mm. You, you know, actually, you know what? Looking at you now, right? With your moustache, your hair done up in a ponytail or a man bun, whatever you want to call it, the return of the mullet. Yeah, I know. It's beautiful. It? Mate, it's beautiful. It? All Blacks. Uh, Jack Good Goodho. Yeah, he's become a bit of a sensation in Japan. Yeah. World sensation in rugby. What a mullet that is, mate! It's it's an incredible thing in the world of sport. It's like if you think you're not quite good enough, give yourself a mullet, and then immediately you're a cult hero, and people will never forget you. Did you have a mullet? Growing up. No, but can I t briefly tell you about my what my next three stages are? What's so I'm growing my hair at the moment. Yes. Next stage is perm. Right. Next stage is diet blonde. Are you generally going to have a perm? Yeah, I was going to get a birthday perm from my girlfriend, but then we realised my hair wasn't long enough, so to tighten up like Annie, you know, like that, it would be almost like an afro. Okay. So now I'm going to get a Christmas perm. We're going to get... I'm so thinking Charlene from Neighbours. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, more Michael Hutchins. Michael Hutchins. Yeah, probably a That's bit. That's quite longy though, isn't it? Exactly right. So, That's why so I need to you grow want it long longer. and then you want it so it'll hang down a bit more. Then I'm going to get, so perm the front, do a little front fringe. So it'll be like an 80s mop. 
then cut it down to a mullet so it'll be proper Ryan Grant. Oh, you it's going to be go, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's my next one, Ryan Grant. Yeah. I mean, he, he started that uh, revolution, doesn't he? Well, in the football world, yes. I mean, the AFL, I mean, again, you've lost touch with Australia so much that I, I don't think you're Australian anymore, but you would see oh, in the that's AFL... Below, that's below the belt. <laughs> you would see the AFL, there's been a numerous amount of malaise hey. over, over the course of the year, but in the A-League and specifically the Premier League, people in the Premier League, you know, they're too fancy. They're way too fancy. It's all yep. about short back and sides. We're after a fade. No, 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 no. Enter Ryan Grant. But wasn't wasn't Neymar at the World Cup almost as bad as a as bad as a, a mullet in so many ways? Well, the problem the was the first one, the first haircut. You the, remember he got, he got ridiculed yeah. for it. The problem is, is that when people take the piss out of a mullet, I don't understand it because I genuinely think the mullet is a great look. Do the you? problem is, is that Neymar didn't he didn't have a mullet, mate. That I, I, was I that a was a butchered mullet. I had a mullet. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I had so a mullet when I was like fifteen years old. I yeah. could so I've got a picture that. with Palais, and I've got a mullet. At the, the 1989 uh, Under-16s World Cup in Scotland. Is that... front page of World Soccer magazine and it's me with a mullet and Palais. That is... At 15, you reckon? Yeah. I no, can no, imagine you, you're a gangly 15-year-old. Oh, you would have been eight you know, foot I used to tall. Have well, I used to have the stairs, like the steps in the back of your hair. You know, like cutting steps? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, what changed? Because looking oh. at you now, I mean, you've got something from, you know, the shop up the road and you just obviously got whatever's going on up there. Oh, are we going to go there? We're going there. Are we? What's changed? Because well, uh, like, you said... Seriously... What what are you got on? I told you you're, you're wearing a tablecloth. I'm the cu- I'm the casual <laughs> countryman, and you know that. But what I'm saying is, what changed? Why are you so conservative now? Just let yourself go again. Get the stairs back. Get the mullet yeah, back. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. You know, I thought about possibly getting the stairs back on the back of my yeah. So I'm thinking about actually. I, I'm I'm digging the mullet. Yeah, I'm liking it. I, I'm I'm actually warming to it. Well, you could still, because, uh, I mean, again, don't want to go there too much, but it, it's all about at the back, isn't it? Yes. So you could still... I definitely can't grow any longer on the top, that's for no. sure. Just before you say it, I'm going to say it. Yeah, no, so business up top, Yes. party at the back. Anyway, let's forget about hair Okay, now. forget let's about it. Let's get on to... Let's get on to the wine. Yes. Because this, uh, this is the point in the podcast uh, where we do decide how we can compare a bottle of wine to a player. And it's funny, I know we're only two episodes in, and I thought it would be a challenge, but it's amazing how... You know, you can actually compare a bottle of wine to different players. It's incredible how different wines are and obviously how different footballers are. That's right. Um, absolutely. And I, and I think that I, I'm still a little bit torn in my head, actually, of who I'm going to go with because this is a bit of... This, this really tastes like a cultured wine. Smooth, cultured, consistent. Bit of, bit of elegance about it. Okay. Who are, we going, who are we going for? So I'm, I'm torn between two players, but I think I'm going to go... Okay, yeah, I, I've made my mind up. Yeah. He's Brazilian. All right. Uh, midfield player. I and like again, like, like last week, I played with him at Middlesbrough. Name dropping again. Un, un, understated, underrated in a lot, a lot of ways. And you only actually really got to realise how good he was right. when you played with him. Who is it? Deriva. Nice. Midfield player, very cultured, elegant glided around the, f- the football pitch, had a great eye, and, uh, yeah, consistent every time. I like it a lot. Well, I'm going for similar evoking flavours. Yes. In consistency. El Nini. El <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. Bizarrely, it wasn't El Nini. Okay. Uh, I didn't get the cultured vibe from this wine. Did I, you not? I don't necessarily get cultured. I get consistent, strong, no surprises, and I, I know that that's technically consistent but what i mean by that is when it, the flavor hits your tongue it's not 
it's great and good, but it's not exciting. So for okay. me, it doesn't dance on the palate or anything wild. It's yep. literally just a, geez, what a nice wine that is. So by that, I'm going for Paul Scholes. Super strong, consistent, but he wasn't flashy. He just did the job. And at times and may have had a mullet. And at times, and red hair. So red mullet. Imagine so across the mullet. board. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> across the board. I mean, it makes sense. So can we, I mean, are they similar players do you think i mean what have we what have we decided by the end of this uh, have oh, well, we experienced I mean, they're, well, they're the both, same they're both midfielders they're both very consistent i mean obviously paul skulls is paul skulls and what he accomplished in the game is phenomenal deriva like i said understated underrated in a lot of ways until you played with him paul skulls i think was very much appreciated of how good a player he was so i mean there are some similarities but in terms of um uh, name and presence very different well we're growing together aren't we we certainly are. We are getting there. Mark, thank you very much. That's no, been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Of course it's been yours. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> it has. Um, but anyway, we will be back next week. We'll be trying a different bottle of wine. So please, if you've got any real suggestions, we've now done a, a French wine and an Australian wine. So send your messages in to Mark. It can be about football, about wine. Ask me about um, poorly grown moustaches and, and bad Aztec shirts. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.